Welcome to Courageous Help by BASE, where we believe in the power of assistance to change the world. I'm Natalie Turner of BASE, formerly an executive assistant, now designing learning and development exclusively for EAs to leverage skills and maximize impact. On Courageous Help, we sit down with current and former assistants who are challenging the status quo, from impacting global business practices to molding new career paths and beyond, all while managing their full plate as an assistant. Join us while we explore how today's assistants can leverage their position to drive positive change. Today on Courageous Help, I am very excited to be chatting with Victoria Leach. Victoria is a seasoned executive assistant, now chief of staff, and Victoria is passionate about supporting professionals in reaching their full potential. With years of experience in various industries and a deep understanding of the executive assistant role, Victoria is dedicated to sharing her expertise and guiding others to success. So to start us off, welcome, Victoria. And I would love it if you could just share a bit about yourself, anything that I didn't share in your intro that you feel like you want our listeners to know. And then we always kind of start with, how did you end up becoming an assistant and then a chief of staff? Because we find our guests typically have a pretty pretty interesting story about, about how they got here. So, Well, first, thank you, Natalie. I'm really happy to be here and share a little bit of my story and my expertise. Yeah, I'm a seasoned executive assistant. I spent the majority of my career in tech and recently switched into the renewable energy sector. Specifically, I work at a hydrogen infrastructure company, which is a huge shift. And I've been able to learn a lot and develop a lot along the way. I also love to coach others. I spend a small portion of my time every year working with a few select clients and from that, have been invited to teach a course for executive assistants as well, which is super exciting. More on that later. Yeah. I consider myself a realistic optimist at heart. I'm a known tree hugger. I'm a mom of two. I have a five and a half year old and a two and a half year old. Mm. I have a golden retriever and we like to spend our time hiking and eating out at new restaurants here in San Francisco. So that's a little, little about me. Beautiful. And you said you're a seasoned executive assistant. How did you first get started in that role? It's a great question. I took a job really early on, right out of college, doing administrative work for a tiny startup where I was number three. We were servicing Airbnbs. And this was right before Airbnb got really big. It was my job to make sure that all the houses were taken care of to help keep the company on tracks. It was a great introduction to company operations. From there, I went and became an executive assistant at a company called Hack Reactor. It was acquired by Galvanize. That was my first foray into tech. I learned a ton there. I worked with a lot of different executives. And then at one point, the entire EA team banded together as a team and we supported the execs on like a ticketing system. So supporting one person, we were all banded together, which was a really great way to do some mind share. It was also kind of an interesting way of changing how we were all managed. It was my first kind of shift from just working with one executive. From there, I went to a company called Lob.com. I supported the CEO and the other founder there for many years. He and I developed a really close relationship and 
through our time at lob.com, we also ended up starting another company and ran them both simultaneously. Another excellent opportunity for that cross-pollination and mindshare. We learned a ton through that experience. And now I'm in renewable energy. I think one of the cool things about being an executive assistant is just how much you can hop around because your skill set is so applicable to a variety of different industries. Absolutely. Thanks for sharing more context because like you said, there's kind of some interesting little tidbits in there as far as this ticketing system. And then additionally, like starting a new company while you're still you and your exec starting a new company while you're still running another one. And gosh, yeah, all of that's super interesting. And and how you got started too with the Airbnb situation. It just goes to show like there really are so many, so many inroads to this profession. So yeah, I think if anybody is listening and wants to get into EA work, you can go that route anywhere. <laughs> it really is possible. I mean, from hospitality to tech to hydrogen infrastructure, right? It's your road to forge. Yeah. And you were also saying, of course, with the skill set being so kind of applicable everywhere, you can kind of hop around around industries how did you wind up in renewable energy? And can you repeat what you, hydrogen what? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So today I lead strategic initiatives in the renewable energy space. Specifically, I work at a company that develops hydrogen infrastructure. Right now we're working on a project where we are planning to develop salt caverns out in the Mojave Desert to store massive amounts of hydrogen. You can think of it as like a natural battery and it's solving one of the biggest problems with the grid right now as we introduce more solar, wind, renewables. So that's what I'm doing now. I was super lucky to land this position. The CEO, Sean Drost, huge call out, love this guy. I actually had the pleasure of working with him at Hack Reactor. And I was in another job and we caught up on Facebook talking about one another's kids. And he just said, you know, kind of slyly, like, hey, do you want to hear about what I'm working on? And he recruited me quite swiftly. I was, I jumped at the chance to work with Sean again. And he's working in a space that is new and scary to me. I'm a big believer in kind of following your goosebumps, following the things that scare you a little bit. But also, I've always really cared about the environment. During my time at Lob, I actually forged their whole um, reforestation initiative, which is now lob.org. And they've planted millions of trees on behalf of their customers. And it's always kind of been ingrained in me. So it was an exciting opportunity that I couldn't pass up. I love how you're just sort of casually sprinkling in all these little initiatives that you have either spearheaded or or really helped to, to bring to life. And there are a few things in what you said that are themes. They tend to be themes uh, in our podcast, but I just want to call them out in terms of being able to apply this skill set to something that you really value and something that you really care about is something pretty unique, I think, for a lot of people, regardless of what kind of department they're in or or, or what their skill set is. Like, sort of, once you get into an industry you tend to stick there just because that's where the most opportunity is going to be. But I just really appreciate that about this role that it can be something where you can move around. But not only that, like you said, 
if you have a founder or an exec who is kind of willing to be like, let's figure this out together. I don't know, but we're going to do something new. Like being able to be on one of those rides is pretty crazy. I, I had the opportunity to do that here with Paige when that was my role. So I hear you on the like, let's figure this out together. And then of course, just the piece on, yes, networking, but really just maintaining relationships. And you know, you said you were talking about your kids, catching up about that. And then all of a sudden you found yourself a chief of staff. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Was this your first chief of staff role? It was kind of my second. I was definitely working as chief of staff at Lob and the other company that we had founded when I was working with Lior Avidar. Another great shout out. Hi, Lior. I was promoted into that role and I was working with a team of admins. And when you manage two different companies at the same time, you're working at a more strategic level. So that was my first foray into the chief of staff role. And this really just cemented it for me. And working at just one company at a time has been a great change of pace. (laughs) Well, I feel like, yeah, gosh, sometimes being the EA or the chief of staff or the you're high up in a startup, it can feel like you start multiple companies all within the same role. So uh, oh, <laughs> so yeah, so I, I, I hear you on the the nice change of pace to be like, here, we are clearly doing this thing. We are making salt caves and we're putting hydrogen in them. I probably butchered that, but nope, that's I'm, I'm like, okay, all right. <laughs> Well, that's incredible. And so I could talk with you about your background all day, probably, but I would love to get into our big question of the podcast, which is, how do you think assistants are changing the world? And kind of a little follow-up, which is, how are you supporting them? Yeah. I First of all, I love this question. I'm so glad that your podcast is dedicated to it because executive assistants are the backbone of leaders everywhere. And I think one of the things that executive assistants especially are incredibly skilled at and is rarely talked about is managing up. We're often seen as administrators. We're the ones doing expense reports and keeping the calendar tidy. I think more than that, and I think what makes us really crucial leaders in every organization is this ability to anticipate needs, communicate effectively, and get things done. But on top of all of that, it's this like fearlessness in giving tough feedback to our leaders and to their team members. It's being that extension of that leader and being able to like push things to that executive that are the highest priority things that they should be doing. Really making sure that they're on track, meeting people where they're at and being the best version of themselves. And I think if when EAs are excelling at that. Their leaders are excelling and their organizations are excelling. And it's a ripple effect. It changes the whole game. Yeah. What you said about the fearlessness and giving tough feedback. How did you develop that? I failed many times before I got really good at it. I I think a big part of it is that I got lucky. I had a lot of grace given to me from the executives that I worked with. And as a result, I had a lot of trust with them and they had a lot of trust in me. And knowing that we had that shared foundation of trust meant that I could say things that were on my mind. I could point out the patterns that I was seeing 
And I knew that they would be accepted and listened to. So I got really lucky. I had a playground where I could really practice developing the skill. I also read some great books. The Art of Giving and Receiving Feedback, great book. I was trained in nonviolent communication. Within that is a fantastic formula for how to give and receive feedback. And I think that really unlocked a lot for me. Definitely. You keep saying you got lucky. I have a feeling it wasn't all luck. So I'm wondering, you mentioned also that you have that shared foundation of trust. How do you go about building that? Or how would you advise someone to go about building that? That's a heavy question, right? Trust is such a foundational piece of any relationship that you're building. But I think when it comes to building trust with your executives or with your team, it comes down to a few things. The biggest is doing what you say you're going to do and then communicating when things go wrong. I think a lot of us are afraid to raise the flag when things are off track. Yeah. And that's one of the worst things you can do is not sound the bullhorn. Just saying that things are off track, being willing to call that out develops a ton of trust. All of a sudden, you can be relied on that much more. So that communication, being able to keep your boss updated on your progress and letting them know about roadblocks, that builds trust. Being a team player, willing to pick up the pieces, seeing the balls that are being dropped and picking them up, that builds trust. And this kind of comes back to giving that tough feedback, but being direct. You know, it's not not just about speaking up when you've made a mistake, but it's saying what's on your mind in an authentic way. That kind of directness builds a lot of trust with people because you're no longer wondering if there's some hidden agenda. I've never had a hidden agenda. And my personality type is one where I've always been pretty, here's what it is. And if it's not showing up on my face, I'm going to say it with my words. And that's really helped me a lot, that directness. Yeah. In that directness, and this might be putting you on a spot a little bit, but I'm curious, what's the toughest feedback you've ever had to give? Oh, that's it's a great question. Let me think. There's probably been a few instances that would be valuable for people to hear. But yeah, first that comes to mind is I was working with an executive who has this tendency of, I'm going to say, has this tendency of drilling down too deep when they're unfocused. Mm. They have this tendency of like letting things ride for a little while and then kind of freaking out and then drilling deep into one thing that doesn't necessarily matter. It's like the wrong thing to drill down into. And I had to give this feedback a few different times, but it was like, hey, you're riding this too hard. Let's look at where else the problem could be because we're now just putting all these people under way too much pressure. This happened a few times when our recruiting metrics weren't going well or when marketing metrics were coming in. They'd dive really deep into one thing, but the problem would end up being someplace else. Mm -hmm. And being able to say, hey, let's pull back. Let's see what else might be happening. Or let's pull back and let the people you hired go figure it out because they're the ones in it every day. It's hard feedback to hear. Hey, you're digging in the wrong place. You're digging the wrong hole. But that being able to say that really built a lot of trust and we were able to work together for a long time as a result. Yeah. And gosh, I just think about 
like you were mentioning the directness, but also like that takes giving feedback like that, that takes a level of bravery. But also you mentioned, of course, like you had built the relationship in advance before you could give that kind of feedback. And part of that even is knowing that person well enough, like you said, to notice, I think you said they were freaking out, like, oh, they're panicking because they're not focused. Like you have to really know them to see that because you could just be like, oh, they think that's really important. And so like, I should think that's really important too. But like you have enough insight. Yeah, experience and insight in that, specifically in that relationship to see that like, oh, that's what this executive does in this situation. And here's how I can best help them. Yeah. That's awesome. I know you mentioned that you, you coach other executive assistants. And I'm curious, I want to hear more about that, but I also specifically around this type of a, a question, like how can EAs learn those, those types of relational skills? Is it something you can learn or is it, you think it's more like an innate something? I think it's learned through practice. And of course, there are great formulas. I mentioned this around nonviolent communication and giving feedback, right? The training on using I statements and recognizing that this thing is separate from the human being and talking about that instead of them is a great way to avoid a fight um, with your partner or with your business partner, right? So there are definitely tools and resources that you can learn and use, but it really comes from regular application and taking it to work with you every day. Networking or relationship building is, I think, one of the most important parts of any job. Being a good team member, seeing the human on the other side of the screen, taking pause and rereading your email before you send it as if you were the person receiving it. These kinds of things really help you to come at relationship building in an authentic way. And develop it over a long period of time. Yeah. That's one of those, like, there's no quick and easy, quick and dirty way to do it. You just, I I know, right. (laughs) I Um, love something that I do that I don't know if everybody does this. I actually have a CRM, a customer relationship management tool (laughs) that I use for my personal professional life. Like everybody that I want to keep in touch with is loaded in And it has all the important things that I remember about them, their birthdays, what their favorite color is, who their partner is, and little notes from our conversations after we've had them. And then it reminds me when I haven't talked to them after three months Mm. or talked to them in, you know, three months or six months or whatever cadence I set. Sure. And that's been really valuable. That's part of the reason why I ran into Sean when I did is he was on my list, hadn't talked to him in a while. Yeah. It's not that you were necessarily just in the right place at the right time, but you intentionally put yourself in the right place at what you didn't know was the right time. But yeah, that's, I love that tip because that's one of those things that is so practical and EAs are doing that type of stuff all the time anyway, but to be able to kind of take that approach to your own networking and not just managing that on behalf of somebody else. That's huge. I love that. Um, that was, so thanks That's such a great, I love the way you said that because I've done that in a lot of different things. Anything that I was doing for my executives as an EA, when my goal was to make sure they were the most efficient person that they could be, I've taken all of that. I reapplied it to myself. So my calendar management, I take just as much vigor to that as I did with my executives. I manage a CRM for them. I manage a CRM for me. 
if you're doing it for somebody else to make them better, you should probably Why be would doing you? it for you too. Why would you not? <laughs> I love it. Thanks for tying all of that together. And then also just kind of following up a little bit more on the question. I know we talked about how assistants are changing the world. And then I want to hear a little bit more about how you're supporting that. I know you mentioned you do coaching, you have a course, and I want to hear about that. I also just kind of want to, we can frame this with like, what are some of the the biggest skills that you're hoping to instill in the next generation of EAs? Like, why do you do what you're doing? Oh, wow. I love the way you framed that. So yes, I coach. I do some one-on-one coaching with a select group of people every year. And usually my goal with them is whatever their goal is. Oftentimes it's around how do I become the manager of our EAs or how do I grow from level three to level five, or they have some kind of career-minded goal or a specific skill set that they come to me looking for. Um, I've helped people with their personal branding. I've helped people switch careers completely. That was really interesting. I worked with an EA who really wanted to go into product management. And so Mm -hmm. I coached them through that. And then the other cool thing that you mentioned that I'm doing is I'm teaching a course. It's called joindana.io, fun plug. And the whole program is designed to help these entry to mid-level executive assistants up-level their skills to advance in their careers. And there's a lot of things that I'm talking about there. Things like integrating AI into your workflows. A lot of EAs, I think, are really afraid of what AI is going to do. Like, oh no, calendar management is being automated. What am I going to do? But using that to your advantage to make you a more strategic business partner to your executive is exactly what we should all be aiming to do. There's a lot of project management in executive assistant work. And we'll be talking about a lot of the different things that you can do to better project manage, time management. I want to go deep into communication skills, like what we were talking about, that managing up, that networking, how to get your point across in a really strategic way. The other thing that I'll touch on, although much, much more, is keeping confidential information secure. As executive assistants, we are privy to a lot of confidential information. And oftentimes we have to act on that information without letting other people in on the information. And refining those skills is something that really helps you level up in your career. Uh, That one in particular is such a unique thing to this role in particular, like the project management and the communication and like all of those things are wonderful and like applicable in a lot of areas. But that one in particular, the confidentiality and how to manage that information appropriately and yeah, act on it when other people don't know why you're acting the way you're acting. (laughs) Yeah, you've got to keep your facade up and it's not an easy thing and it's so unique to this position and we've all failed at it at one point or another, which is one awful way to lose trust. Yeah. You mentioned a couple things in what you said that I just wanted to like follow up on a little bit. You mentioned a website in particular. Can you repeat that? Do you mind too? Yes, I'd be happy to. It's joindana, J-O-I-N-D-O-N-N-A dot I-O. That's where you can learn more, download the course curriculum, sign up for the, the next cohorts happening in October. And is, there'll be many more after that. Is Donna a reference to Suits? Oh my gosh. Is it suits? Is it powder puff girls? The world may never know. Uh, Amazing. 
there are so many incredible Donnas out there. It's true. Um, but yeah, Donna from Suits, an idol of mine. Amazing. General, great TV show. I love that. Thank you. I was like, am I catching this? Is that what you're... Okay. Um, Should I dye my hair red? (laughs) I had red hair for a long time. So that was when I started with base. So that was fun. I love it. But I also wanted to ask, you were mentioning a lot of your clients come to you for specific help around career growth. And this is such a gray area for EAs. Like since there's not a super defined career path here, so many people we talk to... Are struggling with this. And I'm wondering if you have like, do you just have like a top tip? I know it's so dependent on the person and what they ultimately want, but anything you could provide to the masses? Uh, I mean, there's like so much to cover in career growth, but I think I'll mention a few. The first is make sure there's a career ladder at your company for EAs. Make sure that exists. Work with your HRBP or your head of HR or whatever it is to make sure that's in place so that there is a clear path for you to level up and get that next promotion. The second thing is identify your skills. Identify what makes you amazing at your job and focus your energy and effort on that. Pick up projects that highlight those skills. A lot of us are always trying to learn new things and develop, you know, new skill sets. And that's important. Definitely keep doing that. But make sure you've got a lot of eyes on the things that make you fantastic at your job. I love that so much because, yeah, so much of being an EA is being a generalist and I'm the person who learns the new technology and the new things that are happening. And I manage all the changing landscapes of everything. But yeah, being able to really dial in on like, this makes me awesome. Please pay attention (laughs) Um, so that you get to do even more of that. Yes. And if you're a great communicator, pick up more communication projects. If you are great at testing out new tech, pick up all of those projects. Whatever it is that people are singing your praises about, make sure you're doing that all of the time. Incredible. I don't think there's a better note for us to end on, but I just want to check. So before we close out the conversation, are there any threads that we didn't really get to pull on all the way or any kind of last minute thoughts you'd want to share? And then we can chat about resources in a second here, which I know we've already started talking about, but. I mean, I think we've had a fantastic conversation. (laughs) I could talk about all this stuff all day long. So watch out on the rabbit holes that all go down. No, I, I think we've just about covered it. And then as far as resources go, like, Yeah, let's dive in. Awesome. Yeah. So obviously you have your next cohort coming up in October and we'll get that information in the show notes. Are there any other favorite resources you want to share? I know you said you named some books, anything else that you think our EAs Uh, or listeners should have in their their toolboxes or bookshelves or whatever? Oh my gosh. Well, you should see my, my bookshelves in another room and they are just overwhelming with books. But Instead, I'll list some of my favorite AI tools that I'm using now. The first is motion.app. It is managing my calendar autonomously and all of my task management. Highly recommended. It's fantastic. Also great for booking and booking links. The other thing that I'm obsessed with right now is called airgram.io. It is a note-taking automation software. If you can get your company using that, it has totally changed the game. They document verbatim 
the meetings, but also writes a TLDR, a little summary of the meeting and all of the action items everyone agreed to so that you don't have to go do that yourself and you copy paste it, send it out. Game changing. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. And I was thinking about this when you were saying that AI was a a piece of what you're teaching, but I read something the other day. It said something about, because you mentioned assistants might be afraid of like AI and it's coming and it's taking our jobs. And one thing that I read, it said something like, don't be afraid of AI taking your job, but be more afraid of someone who has really mastered AI coming and taking your job. So I think we're going to see executive assistant job descriptions, including things like AI prompt engineering and knowledge of some of the tools that I just mentioned. It's just an iteration of the work that we do. I don't think you're ever going to be able to truly take the business partner out of our role yeah. um, with tech. It's just never going to happen. Thank you for all of that insight. I love it. This has been so fun. Thank you so much, Victoria, for chatting with me today. And yeah, I look forward to seeing what all you do next. Thank you so much, Natalie. Me too. And um, congrats on BASE. I think it looks fantastic. It's so cool to see it grow from where it was a few years ago. And yeah, yeah. you mentioned you were one of our like beta. Yeah, I was one of the first like 50 or 100 people on it. Amazing. (laughs) Oh, I don't know if I can use this. Here's a bunch of feedback. I'll come back to you later. And I did. It looks fantastic. I, I love to see the iteration. Thanks for that. My pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Courageous Health, brought to you by BASE. Learn more about how BASE is helping modern assistants maximize their potential at basehq.com or find us on LinkedIn at basehq or on Instagram at the BASE app. Don't forget to subscribe to Courageous Help wherever you get your podcasts.